Hello, and welcome to the happy hour with Teresa Greco. On the happy hour, you're going to have a very different experience than the traditional happy hour you might have at a bar or restaurant. Here on the happy hour is where you will learn about the principles and practices that lead to true inner happiness, which is unwavering in abundance and is not dependent on you buying, earning, achieving, searching, or doing anything to be happy. A huge weight can be lifted off of your shoulders when you know there is a part of you that is always happy. You just need to make time to connect with it. On the show, my guests and I explore the latest physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual well-being practices, and together we'll advise you on the actionable steps you can take toward a happier, more fulfilled, authentic life. On the show today, we'll be discussing the importance of balance and how achieving and maintaining balance in our lives is paramount importance to our happiness. Balance is where all aspects of our being, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, are harmoniously aligned. It is the art of finding the middle ground, avoiding extremes, and nurturing a sense of wholeness within ourselves and our connection to the world. So if you say yes to any of the following questions, I invite you to stay with me for today's show. Number one, do you often find yourself stretched too thin in your personal and professional life? Do you feel rudderless and lack purpose in projects that once excited you? Do you often feel stressed, overwhelmed, and irritated? Have you had multiple burnouts in your life and maybe never fully recovered from the first one? My guest today is a psychologist and, psych and psychotherapist who, after experiencing a breaking point in his own long and successful career, became a leadership and mindset coach to support other ambitious individuals to reclaim balance and purpose in their lives. I'd like to introduce you to Dr. Matt Chirac. Welcome to the show. Hi, Teresa. Thank you. And thank you for having me. So, <laughs> Dr. Matt, why don't you tell everybody where you're coming in from today? For so I'm, I'm, I'm based in Austria. Um, and I've been living here now for the past nine years, although you may detect from my accent uh, that I'm from the UK originally. So, yeah, now I'm sitting here on a fine Austrian summer's day with the wind blowing and the sun shining. <laughs> Sounds glorious. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Now, you've recently written a book entitled The Balance Entrepreneur, where the readers discovered the transformative power of balance and how to utilize it as a potent magnet for success and well-being. Now, I presented the audience with a series of questions that were taken from the back of your book to reflect on whether their life is balanced. So in your experience, what does imbalance look like in our lives? I suppose it shows up in lots of different ways, but the short answer would be a real difficulty to, um, to, to process stress. So, and, and when we when we struggle to process stress, uh, it, it it really sort of knocks our energy sideways. 
So that's how it might may manifest for some people. They feel very low energy and exhausted. Uh, they may um, sort of withdraw from um, within their work, um, but also in their relationships, and ultimately, you know, fr from themselves as well. So they may feel a sense of disconnection with themselves, like depersonalized, and um, and they may find themselves critical of themselves or, and others, um, and uh, a sense of despair and hopelessness. So lots of different ways. And I, I would also add as well, like a sense of rudderlessness, feeling lost, lacking purpose in work or in relationships and in life in general. Now, maybe if you could share a little bit about the people that you work with, because you you have lots of different credentials and you've done lots of different things. So maybe if you give us a bit of your background as to, you know, how you do the work that you do, then it'll also give us perspective as to the clients and your understanding how of how stress and um, overwhelm has mm really been a part of the lives of the people that you support mm. okay so we can go back a few decades because i've been in the helping professions for for that long and so I, I i started i got into the psychology world quite early in my uh life started as a teen and then um after, and tra trained as a counselor so my my first work was in the bereavement service so you know, sort of on the on a, on a practical level, as a as a funeral um, assistant, mm. um, but I gravitated towards working with the bereaved, and soon found that even though I had I had a degree in psychology, I was very much out of my depth sometimes with some of the um, the bereaved, especially those who had lost children or there was a sudden loss within the family. So that really sort of spurred my interest in 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 discovering more about the human condition. And, um, and so I trained as a, a counselor and then as a psychotherapist. And, uh, and so, and then, I, and then, and then, and then it goes on. So I, I trained as a psychologist and then as, um, as a coach, but what I suppose one of the, um, areas I've always pivoted around is, is is the distress, how people struggle to cope with stress and that sense of being lost in the world. And um, so a big part of my career was, was working with people with addictions. So for, for a lot of people who, who struggle to regulate their emotions and, and don't feel so connected with themselves, they'll develop maladaptive strategies to try and attend to those feelings and lean into various addictions, whatever they may be, like um, sort of like porn or um, shopping or uh, social media. So it was interesting because the more the, the more credentials as you say the more credentials i collected and the more time i invested in developing myself and um professionally and personally i realized i was spending hundreds of thousands on my on myself and had to charge um fees commensurate with how much i'd invested so i was reaching a different with what i was charging i was 
attracting a different type of personality. And it, it was people who were um, high functioning mm-hmm. and but not quite struggling at work. So it tended to be, t- tended to be leaders and entrepreneurs. And the, the, the psychological work that we were doing was actually benefiting not just them, but their teams. So I found inadvertently I was treating the, the organization. And um, in recent years, we've learned so much more about burnout. And one of the ways in which um, some of the, some people will attend to burnout is by, you know, they'll develop addictions. So when, when I look back over my career, well, being highly specialized in addictions was just part of a bigger syndrome, the bigger burnout syndrome. And so it's equipped me quite well um, to, to work with, you know, in more recent years in supporting people in the in the in the leadership world and the entrepreneurship world um that th- there is so much more i could say but uh, i hope that goes some way to answering your question mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. thank you because your book is entitled the balanced entrepreneur and so is the book more geared towards that clientele or i like to think that many of us that entrepreneurship can show up in a variety of different forms. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're running, you know, a multi-million dollar company and, you know, only those people are entrepreneurs that, that even in our young children that we can see entrepreneurship coming with just like a paper route or a lemonade stand or, you know, the different ways that they try to, you know, bring in some income by thinking independently, thinking about a problem and them trying to solve it. So your, the title of your book, uh, if you want to maybe talk to what, how you feel under what an entrepreneur is and who exactly you're speaking to in the book. It's, it's funny. I started off writing for the entrepreneur, and it it it, it's, it actually could be picked up by anybody who's experiencing stress, mm. burnout, or overwhelm, and is feeling lost. So it, it is. I, I did. Um, I did battle with myself over the title, you know, should I stay with entrepreneur? So should I stay true to using the term entrepreneur? I decided to in the end, uh, because um, I'd written so much, um, you know, for the entrepreneur. But as I as, as I was like three quarters of the way through, and I was beginning to sort of reflect on the process of writing the book, which was actually two and a half years of my, of my life. And it, 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 it's it started um uh sort of around well in the middle of the pandemic and uh, at around when i was a time when i was losing somebody very close to me who had burnt out you know so and they were it was my mum i don't mind saying and she, she was no entrepreneur but she had a lot of the traits of an entrepreneur so she had that grit determination that spirit and so the book is as much for people who are non-entrepreneurs uh, as entrepreneurs. Mm. 
So when, when, when I've looked more deeply at the research into burnout, there are certain people that are predisposed to burnout and they they tend to be um, healers or people in the helping professions. So I call them healers, dealers, and um, leaders. So yeah, this kind of like a trinity of people. Uh, and they, what unites this particular group is that they, they lean towards putting other people first. So people going into the helping professions – they they're focused on attending to other people's needs and they're not so good at attending to their own and they and they lose them themselves in that process so even though the book is entitled the balanced entrepreneur it is as much for leaders healers and yeah you you name it the mums of the world parents of the world you know because we're all yeah the sun the syndrome doesn't discriminate that's the thing (laughs) Yes, yes, that's true. Now, do you have any stats around how stress is affecting, I don't know, whether it be like North America or Europe or or certain countries, how prevalent is overwhelm, burnout, uh, and stress? It's, it's, it, especially at this time in our in the world you know like post-pandemic we're still collecting figures for you know the the actual Mm -hmm. impact of um uh, that it's had on us all and so um i'm looking forward to seeing those being collated and we i mean we were chatting before and a lot of the um figures have been skewed anyway because people that have been who who have died through covid they didn't it's not on their death certificate so you know it's going to be really difficult to um ascertain the actual mm-hmm. um figures statistically speaking but i, I think once one thing's for sure and, and we all i think we, we've all seen this you know people who have been you know um, post-pandemic there's been a mental health crisis mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, and people um, really, people uh, in the book I talk about the big existential pause button being pressed. We were all um, invited to sort of think about our lives. You know, we were, everything just stopped, and and in that space, uh, many of us questioned. You know, what are we doing here? What are we doing with our lives? And I think we, yeah. I, 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 for one, am quite grateful for, you know, the, the pandemic having happened because if there's one silver lining, it's enabled us to really sort of think for ourselves and to think, you know, deeply about what it is that we we want, what our needs are, and what our deeper purpose is. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. it's true. I think that it did provide a reset. And for the people that you support... Imagine like what a rude awakening it would have been for people that were so living on autopilot mm. in their work, experiencing a lot of the stress and overwhelm, but so caught up in it that it's difficult to to get out of it, right? How do you step out of it without everything just maybe falling apart? And that the pandemic and the lockdowns and everything that was involved with that forcibly made people do that. 
And so do you think that this is often what happens that things come to a head or it comes to some kind of event or crossroad that then mm -hmm. forces people to really mm -hmm. look at how they're the imbalance in their mm -hmm. life, whether it mm -hmm. be like they're at work way too much and their personal lives are suffering or, yes. you know, they've been taken so far away in a particular area, right? That we know mm -hmm. we can't just support our physical well-being without looking at the other aspects that we mm -hmm. do need a sense of balance where all aspects of ourselves are being taken care of and nurtured. And that if we're only most of our time is spent in this one area, then other aspects of our lives are going to end up suffering consequences for that. So do you think that that's often what happens that we're so caught up in the stress and the overwhelm that it feels then difficult for us to get out of it and we don't even know the way out? Yeah, it's, I, th I think this is why it was such a busy time for people like me, for coaches and psychotherapists and guides because people were lost they were thrown into this conundrum this existential conundrum and um realizing that um a, a lot of their needs were being met like through work uh, mm -hmm. or uh, were apparently being met through work um but not really or not as well as they they could be but it it, it still opened up a space where they were left to question and um I mean, for example, you know, a lot of people, they value their, it's like conditions of worth that they show up in work and they've got status at work. You know, they're, they receive lots of um, attention and appraisal. And when having to work from home and they're not able to um, like receive praise and recognition, for example, for helping others, you know, before I was talking about, you know, you know, people in the helping professions, um, um, or, or leaders, mm. you know, being there to serve. But when there's nobody there to serve, that that, mm -hmm. and our and we've built an identity mm -hmm. around it, <laughs> then it throws us into a, a, a big wobble, an imbalance, um, which, which brings people knocking on the doors of, of people like me who, and, and, and so they're wanting to um, you know, sort of make meaning in their life or find meaning mm -hmm. or reconnect with meaning because that, that often there, there was a time when they felt more natural and within themselves and somehow they've, they've, they've lost their path. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I hope I feel like oftentimes it is those crossroad moments, whether mm. it be, you know, loss in some way of a relationship or, or a person or a loss of a job or an illness or an accident or something like that, that causes people to take a step back and, and reevaluate. But I hope through our discussion today that it's not going to take those type of scenarios like, like, you know, a pandemic to cause mm -hmm. people to take that step back that mm -hmm. I hope through our discussion that we'll be able to talk about the ways that this 
sense of imbalance mm -hmm. creeps up, that it shows up mm -hmm. as dis-ease mm -hmm. in our okay. physical, mental, emotional self that we're not conscious of because we've been under it for a long time. That's all we know, that we're yeah. just so in it, that we live very much in, in fight or flight mode all the yeah. time, that yeah. we're not even aware that we're not breathing properly, that we're always constantly under some kind of stress, but it's become normalized for us, mm -hmm. right? So yes. I don't want it to have to be something super dramatic and unfortunate mm -hmm. in order for, for us to wake up to how mm -hmm. we're living our lives, but to be able to very sensitively become consciously aware of what when our lives are not in balance, mm. how it's affecting us. Mm. So mm. I want to be able to, you know, through our discussion, as I said, for people to be aware to say, well, you know, mostly my life is fine, but actually maybe mostly it's it's not because you're not even aware of how it's actually affecting the different mm. areas of yourself, not just mm. how is it affecting your professional life or, or even mm. your life at home, but how is it affecting your, your whole being mm. that mm. oftentimes we're not listening to the communication of our bodies. We're not mm. listening to how our physical body, mental, emotional bodies are communicating with us to really pick up and hone in on the cues of that communication that is there alerting us that we are out of balance. Yes, yes, yes. And then when we're out of balance, how can we go to work and mm -hmm. have a balanced approach with the people that we're engaging with or at home? If mm -hmm. we, this vessel that we're in is, mm -hmm. is out of balance. Mm -hmm. So there's almost like two parts to this about how it's affecting us personally and then how it's affecting us in our outside or outer lives. Yes, yes. It's interesting when, as I hear you talk about, you know, breathing, you know, we, we even forget to breathe properly. And it, 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 it's, it's something that um, I address in, in, in my book as one of the first ports of call. So there's, there's like a system within the book on, on how to bring ourselves back into alignment or to bring balance back into our lives. And um, the first component, oddly enough, is called breathe. And and I play on the word breathe because it's it's if 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 we're going to become more self-aware, then first of all we need to breathe. I talk about in, as the second component, awakening, but first of all, breathe, right? And breathe like breathe properly. And there's lots of different ways to breathe. And um and so I I lean into sort of like like breathing patterns from you know the ancient wisdom of uh, of Sanskrit and Hinduism, uh, all that's there and available for us. But when we allow ourselves to practice um, breathing, we 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 then connect with our body. We 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 begin to hear those little whispers or those little aches and pain, feel those little aches and pains, or that higher that higher wisdom speaking to us, mm -hmm. and. And and so that that that's one aspect of of, of breathing that that I, uh, I I dive into, but also taking breathers. I don't know if you use this colloquialism mm -hmm. in Canada. That this idea. So and I, and breathers at a micro level, you know, like in, within work, just taking five, you know, just two 
just to go for a little walk around and stretch your legs and to, to, to taking holidays, but to taking sabbaticals, you know, I would call that sort of that, that like a meta level breather where we begin to sort of question what are we doing with our lives and to connect, you know, question, are we engaging or are we meeting all of our needs, you know, sort of mind, body and spirit? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we, we've got to consciously create these breathing spaces for that. And that's not easy, you know, when we caught when we've got responsibilities and children and and you know and, and staff and teams to take care of and bills and what have you. So it does we we have to be really intentional about mm-hmm. you know breathing and taking breathers. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'm sure with the people that you work with, they actually have to schedule it in because they are so busy. So they have to put into their schedule that they're, I don't know, going for a walk, being out in nature or exercising, or are there, are there particular activities that you find are, are more invigorating than others that really, even though you may not have to spend a lot of time doing it, but it, there are huge benefits like breathing. Absolutely. Just, you know, in, in a minute of deep breathing, it can totally reset the nervous system. So, I mean, that is like so quick and easy to do and only takes a minute. Right. Um, but are there other particular practices that you find offer that reset and have huge benefits? Yes. It reminds me, as you asked the question, the first one that pops up, for for me personally as a as a committed practitioner of it but also now for my clients because uh, you know I, I i i can't sort of speak more highly of the benefits of this and this is like cold water immersion and so for the busiest of people we can all spare like a couple of minutes just to step under a cold shower or step or sit in in a cold bath and it's a real hack it's a real reset, you know, um, on so many different levels. You know, if if we if if we've got lots of stress in the body, it just enables us mm-hmm. at a physiological level to to wash out, you, you know, to to release lots of um, neurotransmitters that are going to serve as well, like noroepinephrine, which is an antidepressant, and it just helps create a a sense of stillness and calm that lasts for hours. Mm-hmm we allow ourselves just to sort of hack into our, our own mm-hmm. chemistry set and um yeah so that there's one that i've, I've tried and tested and, and looked into the research and it's really quite compelling the benefit of it um for so many people now and wim Hof has popularized it in recent years but actually, we can trace it back to, um, to, to to the Romans. You know, they were practicing this thousands of years ago. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. only in recent years we've 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 started to warm our water <laughs> and to take hot baths, which are beneficial. Mm-hmm. But we've lost the benefits of 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 the cold bathing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how our body is a pharmacy in itself. That, yeah. as you know, you said, being able to hack, <laughs> hack it, hack our bodies or know these hacks that 
have huge benefits when we when we do them, but we're not familiar with them, right? Yeah. How to be able to elicit this, the natural production of certain like happiness hormones in the body yeah. or endorphins through particular yeah. activities that actually are, are a natural way of eliciting these highs without mm -hmm. having to turn to substances to, to do them. So, mm -hmm. but if you don't have access to a cold shower at work, what else can you, <laughs> what else can you maybe do? At work? I, I, I mean, mindfulness is the other, other obvious um, state that you can place yourself in. Just become much more present-centered. Mm -hmm. You know, and just just allow yourself um, like a, a minute just to engage with the here and now. You know, I think people become there's a lot said about mindfulness and there's lots people mean different things by it. But even in its simplest form, just become much more present centered and allow yourself just to sometimes just close your eyes. I call it sensory rest you know, rest the senses, you know, and just allow yourself to engage other senses mm -hmm. just for a few seconds. And, you know, if, if you, um, there's this other idea of um, um, subjective units of distress, which you might know as like, sort of like just quantify how you're feeling on a scale of one to 10, you know, or, or suds, subjective units of distress. And if you, if you, if you take a sud measurement, you know, before you close your eyes and then one minute later, you can you can detect a qualitative shift mm -hmm. and people will try to talk themselves out of, you know, of not taking those moments. I'm too busy. I'm too tired. There's so much to do. It doesn't work. But it's just the mind chatter. It's the monkey mind speak. Oh, go on, Teresa. No, that we have to acknowledge that it's never done, right? That I know through our discussion too, we were talking about the that it's really about the process, that it is about the journey and not the end goal. That when we get to the end goal, now we might celebrate for you know maybe a couple of days, and then we're like, now what? <laughs> mm -hmm. So we are yeah. in this yeah. constant path or journey that yes. if we're not enjoying the process and we're not taking those moments along the way to just reset, 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 then yes. I can understand how it feels like you can never, it's never going to get, we're, it's never going to get done because it just, it's not just because of how we're designed and there's always like something else that we want to move, move nice. on to. So yes. I think it's important for us to like recognize that, as you said, we make excuses to say, well, you know, I can't because this and that, but mm -hmm. just know that in the future, you're going to be in that same position again. You're just, you know, working on a different project, but in mm -hmm. that same position. So when is it ever going to be a good time? Yeah. Yeah. To just stop and, and pause. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you talk about people um, spending some time celebrating, you know, but, but, uh, but a lot of people, they, 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 they deny themselves that moment of celebration. And so that they're constantly in the process of yeah. and, and you know, feeling unfulfilled because I suppose if, 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 if to, to use the mountain metaphor, some people, um, they, they self-sabotage from getting to the top of the mountain. They never get to the top. Something that they they create obstacles that prevent them from getting to the top, and other people do get to the top, but they don't stop to celebrate, and then they're off again because 
the vista opens up and they see the next mountain, <laughs> maybe a bigger mountain, and mm. you know, but not pausing, not taking a moment to reset or just to take in the moment. I I, I mentioned before, um, um, we, we were chatting before about an, uh, a book that I've been reading called the uh, the Bhagavad Gita, which underpins um, a, a lot of the um, Buddhist philosophy and uh, Hinduism. And there's a lovely um, section in there about you know, teaching us the value um, of, of of not attaching to the outcome. It's, and, and so it says we're, we're entitled to, to, to work, but not the outcome of our work. Mm. And by that, uh, you know, I, I take it's, it's, it's healthiest to become almost obsessed with the process, you know, staying balanced, enjoying the moments. Yeah, whether we, whether we, we, we reap the fruits of our labor, it's almost a happy byproduct if we do, but the real joy is in the process. Mm -hmm. And just tying into the happiness that many people will say where happiness is a destination or some point in the future where I won't be happy until I pay off my mortgage. I won't be happy until I get that promotion at work. I won't yeah, be happy yeah. until I find that perfect person. I won't be happy until in that, again, we're in this process of working towards something and we will only be able to award ourselves that, that sense of happiness and fulfillment once we arrive at that point. But, you know, as we're saying, there is always like that next point, or in some cases, people sabotage it. So they never arrive yeah. at that point yeah. as well, because, oh, no, what would it mean when I get to that point? Then what? So it's, um, it's important that, as you said, to be in the present moment, that happiness is always found now. And if we are enjoying the process every single day, and that we hope that people are engaged in activities that actually make them happy, that yeah, even yeah. though they're working, and okay, fine, we're not at the beach on vacation, but at least we're in, we're engaged in a process that yes. actually does bring us joy, and a sense of meaning and purpose on, on some level. Yes, yes, yes. It's interesting you talk about uh, the 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 until you know in transactional analysis, which is a, a school of psychotherapy. Um, they, they talk about the until script. I won't be happy until, and it's based on the idea that something good can't happen until something less good has been completed. Mm. So it's and 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 that will manifest in language in in our minds. Like I, I you know I won't be I can't be happy until. I've just, I can't go out with friends until I've just cleaned the kitchen first of all, or at a sort of like a more instant level, but also I, I can't, I can't be happy and or my, my, my rewards will lie in the next life. You know, it's, so they, they, they displace their own happiness a whole lifetime mm -hmm. in the belief that next life they'll be able to reap the rewards, which, <laughs> which is a missed opportunity to put it lightly. Mm -hmm. Now, if if we bring this to the understanding that we are spirits first, so I live my life that I am a spiritual being having a human experience. And so what you just said reminded me of, of that to say, 
here I am in the human experience and maybe not appreciating what that experience is bringing me, but also living one where it's not happy, right? That we actually came here to live our happiest life. And not that that means that we're not going to have certain challenges along the way that are designed there really to teach us and teach us more about ourselves, where we have the opportunity to learn more about who, who we really are through the various challenges. Um, but for the most part, that we had a path that we wanted to live, and then life pulls us away. And then maybe we're, we're in jobs that we don't really enjoy because it's allotting us, you know, money that's paying for a lifestyle that we want to have. But then even in the, in that whole process isn't really making us happy, even though we're working super hard to pay for things that we think are going to make us happy. And so if we, if we have to think about, um, like that aspect of us being spirits first mm. and acknowledging the innate qualities that come with that part of us. So that part of us is always loving at peace and happy. Yes. Loving at peace and happy. So I'm just going to emphasize the at peace because I feel like imbalance mm-hmm. highlights the fact that we're not mm-hmm. at peace. Because when mm-hmm. we're feeling a sense of peace, we're not feeling stressed, we're not feeling overwhelmed, we're not feeling lost, we're not feeling, we're not feeling any of the negative emotions. Yeah. And so if, if we think about how do we tie that aspect, how do we use that part of ourselves? Because that part is always nourishing us, is mm-hmm. always being able to, it actually can pour into the other aspects if we allow it to. So how can we, how do we acknowledge that part and then use it also to help us to gain more balance in our life? As as I, as I heard you speaking, it made me think about the goals that people set for themselves. And I, I, I call them apparent goals and actual goals. I use this terminology in, in the book because one speaks to what we think we want and the other one speaks to what really the spirit wants or the spirit needs. And it's, it's more aligned with, with ourself. And so actual goals are always values congruent, the, the congruent with our values, the, 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 the very, um, our, our, our beliefs that sort of inform, um, that, that, that define us, that make us who we are. And, we, we, I think we become imbalanced when we're chasing goals that aren't aligned with who we really are. Mm-hmm. And so when people, when people that I work with come to me, I, I, I invite, I invite them to express what their goals are, but then to revisit and closely examine, you know, okay, so fine. So you, you want the big house, you want to, yeah, you want to, you know, so tell me why, why do you, why, why is that important to you? And so it opens up a conversation about, you know, what they really, what really nourishes them, why, why they're driven. And we, we can get into talking about the self and, and the spirit, mm. even though the, the goal might be presented first materialistically, that's leading them to burnout and, 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 and what have you. 
Now, it's interesting that when, you know, we started our conversation that I asked you how how does imbalance show up in our lives? What are some of the, the ways that that looks like? And you mentioned the sense of uh, lack of purpose mm-hmm. and rudderlessness, you said. And so mm-hmm. is that often not only just every day, how you might feel physiologically with that overwhelm, which for me shows up in like, really like sore shoulders up here, like that saying, you know, you're carrying the weight of your the world on your shoulders right away. When I have piled on way too many things on my on my schedule to do, it all hurts here. My neck hurts, my shoulders hurt some people, it's lower back, right, which signifies that they have no support with what it is that that they're doing, um, headaches, fogginess. Yes, yes. I feel like I can't make decisions. Like it, I, there, are, there are a whole bunch of signs that I know as soon as my body starts to like talk to me and I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. not sleeping well, right? There's many, there are, the communication is loud and clear that Teresa, you need to like once you, and I'm like, okay, I just need to get to the end of this week and then I'm going to avoid doing what I just did because that this mm-hmm. is what happens. I start to get too overwhelmed. So if we if we when we started off about talking about that there you have experienced this sense of um, lack of purpose and meaning is that right would you say you get to that culmination point and you feel like wow what am i why am i doing all of this is it more of like an end thing that happens to us that we're like i don't even know you know why i'm do why i'm doing all of this or why I've allowed my life to get to this point where now I don't feel like I'm living a life that's on purpose. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it it shows up also in the process, not just at, mm-hmm. at the end or in this in, in this climax. And within within the book, I talk about the stages of burnout, and that's what I have in mind when I um, sort of hear, hear you speak because. The first stages are actually, are actually what, what what I call euphoria, you know, because in terms of entrepreneurs or new projects, people engaging with new projects, there's this excitement and they, they will throw lots of hours at it, but they're not taking care of themselves, but still they're full of beans, they're, 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 they're running around, they're telling everybody about it, they're getting so much done. It doesn't look like the first stage of burnout, but it is because that's that's not sustainable. Mm. and 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 as you move down this it's like a spectrum to um and i at the other end i call it beyond burnout because um you know you want you, you, you it, 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 if you go to a doctor and you're at this stage you know you've probably developed um like medical problems that don't look like burnout anymore there um it, it could could even be cancer there's some kind of mm-hmm. um something organically happening within the body you know so there's this spectrum and somewhere in this spectrum there are there are, there, are, there are always clues there are always indications so you you're talking about um you know how it shows up within the body you know the tension the the the, the tight chest the mm-hmm. you know and, and other clues are available 
often from from others it's like oh yeah gosh you, you, are you coming to this meal you missed the last one also are you feeling okay yeah i'm fine just want to get on with this project it's really exciting and fun so other people if we're open to it we we, we begin to we can receive the feedback from other people because they see it before we can often mm -hmm. so, just circumstantially we can sort of like question it's like have I eaten all my meals today? I'm pretty sure I might have skipped lunch. Or I didn't do that workout that I mm -hmm. said that I was going to do. And you might just write it off, but then a pattern develops. Mm -hmm. You're still feeling okay. This this might even be for the, the aches and the pains start. But, you know, so, so, but circumstantially or behaviorally, there are clues there. Mm -hmm. and, and and so it's important that um, we... we we question, we, we, we heighten our awareness, we take some time. And this is why, you know, I, I, I talk about the value of taking breathers because it's only in that space that we get, we begin to detect these clues mm -hmm. and hear this feedback. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the feedback is so important that I, I talk about happiness, like a compass that, we are always being directed towards our happiest life through yeah. the through the negative, right? That if we didn't have this sense of duality that we have here on this planet, the good and bad, right and wrong, nice, not nice, all of that, that we wouldn't know even what that direction would, would be if we didn't have that mm -hmm. opposition, right? That yin and yang kind of balance again. And yes. so it is, and that is always us being able to choose in every moment the direction towards what is going to make us feel better. But oftentimes we don't check in with ourselves mm -hmm. as you're, as, as you've just stated. And so it's so important for us as, and I love that when you said, just, you know, closing your eyes, what, what was, how did you call it about just shutting off the sensory? Sensory rest. Oh, sensory rest. Sensory yeah. Rest. I love that. Yeah. Cause we, People um, often confuse um, rest with sleep. Mm. Uh, they see it as synonymous with sleep. And yet there are so many different types of rest from, from, from physical rest mm. where we're not sleeping, but where, yeah, I don't know, we're just, it's, it's, I don't know, we're doing something sedate. Like, you know, I, I might, may turn to um, my art and, you know, do, do, some, um, do something that's more sedate, but it's physical rest. But also mental rest and emotional rest, social rest, you know, not committing ourselves to too many social appointments. Um, it's it's so tempting to be saying yes to opportunities, but it can be draining for you know, if, if we if we don't put some boundaries in place. And I mentioned the sensory rest, but also creative rest, mm -hmm. you know, allowing some space for us to be creative. You know, at the top of uh, of uh, of our discussion, we were talking about what is an entrepreneur really. You know, and you know, you could define it as a creative person. You know, we've all got that self. You know, we've all got a creative need, but many of us have careers where we don't indulge that part of us, but and we need to allow ourselves to rest into that, and then you know, spiritual rest also. You know, giving ourselves time to be connecting with something beyond us. <laughs> and that can just be a walk in the park, yeah, a trip to yeah. the zoo, you know. Mm -hmm. But I, I see all these different 
types of rest. And, you know, they, they fall within this idea of breathers, taking breathers. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's good that we're mindful not to just gravitate towards the same type of rest, mm-hmm. you know, if, you know, but to be addressing it more holistically in terms of, you know, all, all the different um, facets of rest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's and where the magic happens. Yeah. Yeah. And all the things that you listed, I feel like those are the things that we could put in what I call our happiness toolkit, where in the toolkit, it has all of these activities that we know help us to connect with a part of ourselves that is always happy, always loving and at peace. And that it's important to recognize that these activities are not providing that happiness, but they are actually a vehicle that's helping us to connect to a part of ourselves that is already at peace and happy. So for example, you don't have to go to the yoga center, you don't have to go to the meditation center in order for you to to get to your happy place or to feel at peace because that peace is inside you everywhere that you go. You just have to maybe discover those vehicles that can help you to connect with that because it's always there. And I think that sensory rest for me, it is just a matter of me closing my eyes. And often, you know, I'm assuming this kind of posture and just like sinking into that. And I'm like, oh, there's my inner being. There it is. And that Mm -hmm. inner being is loving me unconditionally. Yes, It's always in a a state of joy and, and at peace. And so as soon as I... I connect with that part of myself often just through just closing my eyes that I can do that anywhere that I'm like, Oh, there I go. Okay. I'm connected again. And that it's important that we, that we nurture that part of ourselves, that connection, because then it just, I feel like overflows into all the other aspects instead of it being this very like quiet little voice that we call our, that gut instinct, that intuition, whatever, that little voice is always inside of you, but we often don't make time to to hear it or to connect with it. But the more that we do, it then is like that fountain of youth, that magic that you spoke about that then can overflow into all the other aspects of, of our life. Yes, 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 absolutely. Yeah. It's exciting. As we speak, you know, I can see how all, all these elements are actually interrelated, aren't they? Mm-hmm. You know, the sensory rest, the taking breathers, and um, just tuning into, you know, our intuition. And it's always there. And, and, and I look, I, I hear what you're saying around that that this within the self that's um that's there's always peace there it's just about coming back into that space but it's always there waiting for us Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. now the sense of i just want to go back to the sense of meaning and purpose so Hmm. we know like science has shown or research has shown that having a sense of meaning and purpose does help us to feel happier in our lives and that only 25% of people feel like they're living mm-hmm. their purpose. But that's mm-hmm. a very small percentage. There's many people that are just feeling like they're they're going through the motions of life, maybe feeling overwhelmed and, and burnt out in, in pursuing the acquisition of things that we think are going to make us happy, which, which really doesn't. So how do, what do, what are you, what are you suggesting in the book? To try to to try to get us back on path, so that we do feel like 
maybe our day-to-day responsibilities, which in some cases we can't get out of just because mm-hmm. of the, the nature of, of our lives, let's say. Mm-hmm. So how mm-hmm. do we get back to feeling on purpose? Mm-hmm. We have to institute. So in, within, within the book, there's a system that takes us through a, a process and it's important that we do, we do take um, uh, sort of like a holistic approach to, to 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 getting back to that space, and we we have to institute things like you know putting breathers in place, you know at the micro level and also at the meta level, making sure that we have sufficient holidays, but also in our life as well, especially when we're getting up to a certain age with the zero on the end, you know just taking time out. You know, most of us will say that that's not possible, you know, but it is, you know, we we, we have to sort of think creatively at, as to how we can make that happen. And so, and, and, and providing space to breathe and being more aware, awakening to ourselves, but also to others and questioning, um, you know, I talked before about goals, you know, sort of discerning between, um pre- you know presenting goals and actual goals you know so thinking more deeply about what it is that we're working towards so in, in this way we get to sort of make meaning we get to create purpose mm-hmm. but only after looking inside we have to sort of like examine what our values are or where we're up to in life because often you know we set out in life with a particular goal in mind and maybe even parents have planted the idea of what we should become. And we have to awaken to what we want to become, who we are, so that we can self-actualize. So there has to be space put aside to, 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 to routinely touch base with ourselves. Mm-hmm. So other things that I talk about in terms of the process, um, nurturing ourselves and nurturing the process making sure that we put um routines in place that support us that don't require that we we need to sort of have to spend that much time making decisions so if we institute the routines and they and and we we follow through on them and so the magic number is around 66 66 days if we if we if we want to truly embed a, a embed a routine, a desirable routine or habit, then um, we need to be pretty damn consistent about it for at least a couple of months, and then it becomes automatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so much for twenty one days. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I suppose it depends what it is. You know, I, I, I the sixty six. I think that 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 encompasses a lot of tough nuts mm. to crack, a lot of complex problems or mm-hmm. uh, new behaviors mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. 21 days is a is a great start and um, mm-hmm. but still it's subject to um lots of different variables because it falls within a month and it could be that you know things happen on a monthly basis i don't know it could be that yeah i don't i don't know um you've got visitors coming or you know you have a like a monthly meeting at work where you all go away for a couple of days and you're not able and it, and so it, it it interferes with the process. Mm-hmm. 
So the idea behind a couple of months is you, you get to you get to negotiate all those other variables that can throw um, spanners in the work, if the, mm-hmm. if you know that expression. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So basically, to to realign yourself and to have more balance, it is a process that once we're on one end of the spectrum, that we have to be really tune in and become consciously aware of the life that we're living, and then taking that consistent action and dedication to us living the life that we actually want. Yes, yes, yes. And 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 when we live that life that we want, you know, taking time to celebrate as well. And, you know, to return to that mountain metaphor, to celebrate climbing the mountain, not just getting to the top, mm-hmm. but, you know, the steps along the way. And it's really important that we reward ourselves with with something that looks like the ultimate goal so if the ultimate goal is to to have more freedom in our life like to to take a sabbatical phrase for example like like a year off then whenever we undertake like these little steps that bring us towards that ultimate goal it's good that we celebrate with 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 f- rewards that are actually freedom based. Mm. That makes sense. Yes, it does. Yeah, yeah. So you wouldn't reward yourself with a chocolate. Mm-hmm. You would reward yourself with some time off. Yes. However small. So it's commensurate with the ultimate goal. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's a trick that most people miss out on. Mm-hmm. It's a superpower if we're cognizant of that. Then. Um, choosing these little micro rewards that look like the bigger reward, and then and this helps us to be deeply appreciative of the pro- the, the process whilst in the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I think that oftentimes we don't we're so hard on ourselves that yeah. we don't we don't give you know pat ourselves on the back for these like maybe little daily. steps that in the book Atomic Habits, it says just, you know, making that 1% difference. Yes. Moving towards where you're going 1%. Like it doesn't have to be huge, but to acknowledge that you did take that, that little extra step towards whatever goal it is that you have. So if we're in this case, if we're overhauling our life from being at this end of the spectrum, which we can't just all of a sudden, like this is what happens in January, right? People have New Year's resolutions that they're big and grandiose. And then by the end of the month, most people fallen off because the gap between where they are and where they want to be is just so big. So it is so important to, to do some of the little things that you said on a daily basis that can help us to get through that muck and move us closer towards towards what that end goal might be yes i, I i'm a big advocate of of, of napping mm-hmm. during the day you know and actually when you look into the science people who nap and it's called biphasic sleeping by the scientists they live longer mm-hmm. and if that <laughs> if that doesn't sell it to people but for practitioners of it and i've been practicing now for a few years being the age i am it just comes naturally to me now but i do give myself permission for it and I think I think you you talked before about timetabling it in, giving yourself permission 
in your yeah. diary too. Mm-hmm. and it need only be 10 minutes mm. you know and the japanese are very good at this they you know taking power naps and it's it's a it's it's a reset it's <laughs> You know, anyone that does this routinely knows exactly what I, what I'm talking about. Mm. But for those that don't give themselves permission to, and a lot of there's a lot of people that sort of say, "I'm too busy for this." Uh-huh. It's a mind trick because you're going to be so much more productive if you take ten minutes to close your eyes and maybe fall into slumber just for for a moment. Yeah, and you'll be so much more productive for the rest of the afternoon. Wow, and I feel. I mean, times that I've taken that, it I feel groggy coming out of it, right? I'm like, oh, this has just set me back. Yeah. <laughs> like when my kids were young and, you know, you put them down for a nap and you think, okay. And for me, it would take a while to get into that space and to yes. take advantage of the fact that they were napping and then they might wake up earlier and then I'd come out of it and I'm like, oh, I don't feel good. But I think yes. many of us, what we'll do is we'll just reach for a coffee. Or a reach yeah. for an energy drink or a reach yeah. for something sweet, right? That immediately just we think peps us up. But maybe what we really should have done is just had like a 10 minute just allowing us to, yeah. you know, sink into that instead of grabbing that coffee. I think it's it's, it's interesting when you talk about grogginess, and I and I felt that. And it's 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 when and and I and I talk about this a lot actually with my my clients. So uh because I, 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 it's almost like I instituted in their routines. I invite it to become a big part of their their way mm-hmm. of being. So I, I mention it quite lightly, but I'm quite serious about napping. And when when people are groggy after um, a nap, it's it's because one one of two things they they've napped for too long. Right. So, so, you know, if it's if it's if you're feeling groggy after 20 minutes, cut, cut it right back to 10 minutes and see if you still feel groggy, you know, um, and then five minutes, if even if that's there's still grogginess around, you know, so it's either that you're, you're napping for too long or you you're, you're just going too fast in life, you know, because you should be able to nap and wake up and feel refreshed. If you know, it's, it's, it's almost like a litmus test. If you can't do that, you need to look around at how mm. your lifestyle. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And it could and, be that we're not sleeping enough. That if we're, if you look at this nap is just like topping us up, right? So if our cup is full and we've mm. depleted it just a little bit that morning through our work, then we have a little nap and then it's full again. But if we're yeah. not sleeping at night, then that that cup is empty. We've gone into work with it like this full, and then we've done a little nap, but then we're yeah. feeling grot. It's because this cup was not full. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I feel so like that's what you're different. saying with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so actually, when you when we put it like this, it's 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 a win win. Even if you feel groggy, because there's learning there for you. Mm. It's telling you that you're not getting enough sleep, or your lifestyle is just too hectic. Mm-hmm. Because you should be able to nap and wake up and feel refreshed. Mm-hmm. Right. Good yeah. point. I'm going to try that because that I was not. I was grabbing the coffee. I'll be honest with you. I was yeah, having yeah. the afternoon espresso. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I'll have to try to just yeah see see how that goes. Do you put a timer on it then, like for ten I, minutes, so it wakes you up? Mm-hmm. Um, but f- for anybody, I would say no more than twenty. 
-hmm. no more than 20. If you need more than 20, you need to be looking Mm -hmm. at other parts of your life. Mm -hmm. Um, But to to aim for something under 20, but put a timer on it so that, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're not, um, because that's all you need. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like with the sensory rest, you might find that you get what you need just by closing your eyes for a minute. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know, becoming super aware of you know how our body responds and how our mind responds, you know, and tuning into what we're needing on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Now, I love through our discussion today that we were able just to highlight those very like small little tweaks that we can that we can implement right away and then and just implementing these that we can start you know right you know pretty much right after our our conversation today so i really thank you so much for for allowing us to have time with you and your expertise um, to share parts of your book with us and these very um, simple hacks let's call them, that we can implement to really start to bring our life back in alignment. Yeah, you're very welcome. Yeah, free to all. Huh? Everybody <laughs> can practice them um, right yeah. now if we only give, give ourselves permission to do so. Yeah. Now, uh, Dr. Matt, if people want to connect with you after the show or grab a copy of your book, how can they do that? Best place to go is through our website, and that's um, The Mind Institute all one word, dot AT. AT? So AT, yeah, Alpha Tango. Okay. Um, so, yeah, themindinstitute.at. Awesome. And then your book, there's a link there where they could grab that as well. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, yeah, and for anybody that buys the book, I'd really appreciate, you know, feel free to send me an email and to let me know your thoughts. Um I very much see it as an opportunity to um, to be connecting with you, um, not just in a passive way, but, um, you know, maybe even in a, a collaborative way, because I think this book is going to see many editions and I'm, I'm wanting to sort of um, uh, add different layers over the years with people's stories and experiences. So, yeah, feel free to reach out and email me um, any thoughts that you have about it, how it's impacted you. That sounds lovely. Now, Dr. Matt, again, thank you so much for being on the show with us today and sharing with us the ways that we can bring our life back into balance so that we can ultimately be happy. (laughs) Welcome, Teresa. Thank you so much for having me. I'd like to leave you with the thought for the day. If we are going to be happy, living a balanced life is essential. When we are imbalanced, we experience feelings of discontentment, restlessness, and inner turmoil. We may also feel a sense of lack of disconnection from the world. We lack a sense of purpose, or there's a constant yearning for something more profound. This inner and outer chaos, stress, and unease indicate that we are disconnected from our true selves and original nature, which is always loving, at peace, and happy. When we prioritize our connection to our spiritual self, we acknowledge that nurturing every aspect of our our existence is vital for holistic growth and fulfillment. 
practicing spiritual well-being has us cultivating inner peace and tranquility, irrespective of our external circumstances. This inner peace acts as an anchor, providing stability and strength to navigate life's challenges with equanimity. When we live in balance, we become more receptive to divine guidance, intuition, and the signs that guide us toward our unique path. We begin to recognize the interconnectedness of all beings and gain a sense of purpose beyond our individual day-to-day responsibilities. Our spiritual connection nourishes us strengthens our resilience, and provides solace during difficult times. Whether through prayer, meditation, contemplation, or other spiritual practices, balance allows us to tap into a wellspring of wisdom, guidance, and unconditional love. Through balance, we embark on a transformative path that integrates the sacred and the mundane, leading to a more meaningful, fulfilling, and joyful life. I invite you to check out my services on my website at teresagreco.ca for more information about my coaching, workshops, and motivational speaking opportunities. You can connect with me through my website, on my Instagram page at TeresaGreco underscore Steps to Happiness, or my Facebook page Steps to True Happiness with Teresa Greco. Thank you so much for joining me on the happy hour with Teresa Greco. Keep smiling and be happy.